0: Good afternoon, or good morning, depending on you're watching this. Uh, welcome to On Air I'm with Altitude Angel. I'm Stephen Farmer, and once again, I'm joined by our Head of uh, Air Traffic Management, Phil Binks. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Binksy. Now, uh, Binks, we're going to do something a bit different today. Our previous uh, little podcasts have been me, you, and Richard, just doing that. But uh, today, we're going to take uh, a flight across London. Uh, we've heard a lot about urban air mobility, air taxes, and what have you. So, where else than the great city on earth? These, this city's going to be the one that's going to pioneer over their mobility, we think.
1: Uh, but flying across London's not as easy as you might think, right? You're absolutely right. It's a little bit more complicated than it may first appear. But that's because a lot of it, because there are so many unknowns at the moment, aren't there? So we have uh, obviously aircraft overfly London all the time, all different levels and stuff like that. The key with urban mobility is what level are those aircraft going to be operating at? And therefore, how is it going to affect the people on the ground, or how's it going to? How is all the complexity of the airspace? the big, big jigsaw that makes up the airspace. How is that going to affect the flights? So it is actually quite a quite a complex problem. Yeah.
0: So <coughs> London's probably one of the most complex airspaces in the world. I'd say over an urban, uh, over uh, an urban area. It is very, very complicated. Yes. So just for argument's sake, this flight is going to take place between London City Airport and Heathrow. So imagine uh, in a few years' time, you've got people who want to get from Canary Wharf. To Heathrow to get their flights to New York. Exactly how is it going to happen? So uh, let's have a look. Right, so first of all, we're going to crack on talking about uh, aerodrome
1: traffic zones, or ATZs. Absolutely. Again, so this happens around a number of airports. There are a number of airports around London, which have, and they need to be licensed airports. They have this their own, effectively, airspace where you need to inform that airfield or airport before you enter that airspace. So these guys will have their own uh, ATCs? Correct, they have uh, a form of air traffic management yeah, feel, yeah to, to manage that airfield, to manage aircraft coming in, um, to landing, to getting airborne, or even aircraft that wish to transit their zones, okay? Okay, so now
0: within the London CTR, yep, yeah. still with you, we have, I think we've got Denham Airspace, Northolt, there's the Battersea Heliport, Uh, Obviously London City Airport and Fair Oaks. Fair Oaks, yeah. So all these are sort of,
1: we've got four or five airports there within the London CTR. Within the London CTR we're talking about, which is going to affect this flight, we have those four airfields, which we need to think about very, very carefully about how we travel (coughs) through those airspace.
0: So to be clear, to fly between
1: two airports,
0: we've got to inform four.
1: Potentially. Right. So the reason why it's potentially, remember, we don't actually know what route these these uh, UAMs are going to take, these urban air these air taxes. You don't know which route they're going to take. So we need to think about it. Now, are we going to have one fixed route from A to B? Or are we going to be going around different parts of London and therefore other airspace restrictions come into play? And this could be down to the amount of man traffic that is around. You know, what is the landing Wrong way that Heathrow are using? What is the approach that London City are making? What are it was Battersea Heliport? What are they doing? So we may need to move that route around. So therefore, depending on the route that's chosen by the air taxi, will depend on which other airfields or airports we need to inform. OK. So then we have also areas of increased risk. <clears throat> yeah. So one uh, um, of the key areas around London, and like a lot of cities, they have helicopters coming in and out. So around London, we have heli routes. Now, heli routes are what we call where aircraft follow fixed routes, and it's visual flight rules. So visual flight rules is that somebody's sitting on the aircraft, and they keep separated from everything else by looking out of the window to see what's around. And they follow these routes uh, through London's airspace. Now, the, the heli routes to the west of the city, sort of
0: coming in from, I guess this would be Denham, yeah, um, they tend to, the, the yellow ones on the uh, drone safety map, the yellow uh, maps, uh, marks, sorry, <clears throat> they then tend to fly in or they, they get into, I don't know where they actually enter London, but they end up
1: flying over the Thames. So. There are a lot <clears> of <throat> fly over the Thames, yeah. and that's all down to safety reasons, and there's a thing called glide clear. Glide clear principle is basically that if there's a significant catastrophic failure on board that aircraft, they can glide clear of a built-up area and land safely. And of course, ultimately, the Thames, although there are a lot of boats that use the Thames, potentially the Thames is a great landing area for people to yeah. ditch an aircraft, if, it was, if that was to happen. But obviously, it's very, very rarely would that happen. Okay.
0: So we've got the heli routes, uh, we've got
1: gas venting sites. Yeah, anything that's going to affect a, a, a ta- an air taxi. So just think about drops, just thinking about the the, um, turbulence in the air. Is that going to be a hot air blast of air that's coming up? We don't know how that's going to actually affect the air taxi. So it's a hazard marked on a map. We need to be cognizant of it. It may or may not affect, but we need to be aware of it We've
0: also got uh, again minor airports such as Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, Brooklyn again. Um, very very small airfield. As we know, it's a museum at the moment. There's a, um, an aircraft museum, but it's also a merge museum. But they do have landings, so you'll get these old historic aircraft come in and land. Again, we just need to be aware of those aircraft coming in. The majority of time, they may be speaking to Heathrow, or they'll be speaking to somebody, or they'll have a, set up a special VFR corridor in and out of that airfield. But as an air taxi, you need to be aware of what is going on around you. Also across the city, we've got restricted areas. So what's restricted? Yeah, areas? so this is this is uh, this is where things get very very complicated. So we have there are a number of areas where the activity on the ground is a high risk or high security. Is very very important, um, and therefore the security services need to get involved. So there'll be things around this high park, which is I believe Romeo one five seven. So that is protecting the embassies, royal uh, residence to make sure there's nothing untoward going on in that airspace. So in order to access that airspace, you must get approval from the security service to do that. There are also restrictions around other areas, like the Isle of Dogs and the financial area, uh, the City of London. Again, they are um, areas of significant interest where, uh, for whatever reason, there's restriction on unmanned vehicles entering that airspace. Well, not unmanned,
0: unmanned vehicles, um, any air vehicle full stop. Correct. You, yeah. you need to get approval
1: before you can enter that yeah. airspace. So it's, again, you need to ask for permission to access it. Obviously, those people don't want to control that air. That's, this is the difference. They don't want to control the vehicles going through there, but they need to know about the vehicles going yeah. through there. So this is, again, it's another entity that needs to be informed. So it's already quite complicated. <laughs> it, it, it builds up, yeah, it, doesn't it? It,
0: it does. <laughs> okay. So who else? Who else is going to be concerned about who's flying over there?
1: Well, the interesting one is is the London Port Authority. Now that does doesn't stop at the Thames Barrier. There, they are they are interested in anything any activity that takes place on the Thames, but they've also expressed an interest in what takes place over the Thames. Now, again, they don't manage that airspace. They have no authority of managing the airspace, but they are there protecting. People or our vehicles using the river. So again, it's quite interesting. We're going to use the river as a corridor, or fly operate above the river as a corridor. London Port Authority have expressed an interest in what is the activity that's taking place. So
0: as it stands, we don't need their permission, but
1: in Correct. the future we may well do. This is it. We just don't know. So a lot of this is because we don't really understand how urban air vehicles are going to be managed or utilised. Um, we need to think about. Who are the authorities that may need to know? They might not need to give approval, but they would like to know about the activity taking place. Okay.
0: Transport for London.
1: Yeah, a really important one, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, they are trying to coordinate everything that's going on, trying to move people safely around the city. They all take an interest in in, um, air taxes or what is going on. They have said air taxes, there's going to be hundreds of them. Are they going to start replacing bus services and stuff like that? Are they going to be aligned to bus services? Are people going to be using this kind of thing as an alternative, perhaps, to a taxi service? Well, we're hoping they are. But yeah. are they going to become for not just for business use? Are they going to become everyday use? Well, if that's the case, Transport for London really needs to think about actually where where can these things land, get airborne, and, and how are they going to act with everything else? How are they going to um, interact with everything else that's going on in and around London?
0: Okay, so we've got our air taxi from the um, uh, from London City Airport. Yep, we've managed to navigate all the different airspace across London. We've not gone over Buckingham Palace because that would be a big no-no. We've placed up to the river. We're on our way now to Heathrow. So how are we going to land at Heathrow?
1: That's a good question. And you get to Heathrow, you think, oh, thank goodness, how all of this Heathrow I need to
0: just little just, old Heathrow. Just
1: the, all it is at Heathrow I need to know about it, and that's it. You're done. Yeah. But again, we don't know how these things are going to be managed. I think these are going to be managed by exception, rather than physical air traffic control doing, as we see today with commercial airlines coming in and out, talking to a pilot on board, bring them in, giving them a clearance to land, give them a clearance to get airborne. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: That is well, we, that is not scalable. That's the whole point of, of UTM, in a way, that um, we can't be having permissioning for every... Imagine if every taxi delivering to um, Heathrow had to have permission.
1: Well, effectively, it could be permissioning, but it's not going to be done verbally because, as you said, it's not yeah. scalable. So there has to be an automated solution, i.e. UTM. This is where UTM comes in, isn't it? Yeah. We're managing this traffic. But the thing is, air traffic control need to know about what is going on in the airspace. But this is going to be controlled by exception. So they won't actually do, yes, clear air taxi one, clear to land, air taxi two, clear to land, air taxi three, clear takeoff. You know, they won't want to do that. As you say, there aren't enough air traffic controls in the world to do this. So, if an air taxi is happening as expected, is behaving as expected, why do air traffic control need to know about it? Because the procedure itself is designed to make sure it de conflicts with the commercial aircraft. So, air traffic control probably only needs to know about this as of when these aircraft are no longer behaving as expected. Because then this generates a safety risk and therefore something needs to be done. So, that's one entity, air traffic control. Okay? Yeah. But then there are other entities that are going out. So all of a sudden, you've got these things flying around. Well, what about security? Uh, Heathrow security will they want to know? I have a feeling they will. They want to understand the traffic pattern that's going on because it's not really as expected. There could be other unmanned vehicles, which, and they need to know what vehicles they know about, but probably more importantly, what are yeah. the rogue ones? Yeah, one the rogue ones. There. So security. We've mentioned ATC. There's Heathrow have police as well? So they'll need to know. And then there's what they call the AIRPOC, which is um, the airside operations. They'll need to know, because they've got to manage all the ground movements which are going to be required to support these new uh, users. So once you've got all of that happening, it's, again, it's not just one single point. All of these people want to know about all the aircraft, so they need to be informed about it. So how can UTM help? Well, the critical thing there is, of course, is um, once the information Is in the UTM, it can be disseminated to anybody who might require information on it or needs to approve that flight. So we set it up in such a way we have different access rights, different priority rights, and we get multiple approvals process that we set up in Guardian UTM, or we can just have an information thing. Now a lot of these things will just be informing people, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. But others, as we've said, If you're going through some of um, the restricted areas in London, security service, they will need to give approval to travel through that airspace. There's another element as well where when you actually enter the Heathrow environment, they'll probably want an approval to accept that flight plan. Now, a lot of this can be done automated. The whole purpose of UTM is automated, to take the person out of the loop and put them over the loop just to monitor what is going on. But the process still needs to happen. The relevant people still need to be informed, and that is what we're trying to do today.
0: Yeah. It's a nice little whistle stop flight across London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from London City to Heathrow. It's obvious that the airspace across the city like London and New York and anywhere else that's going to want to have an ability is not as simple as just getting these flying taxis in the sky and then just flying from A to B. There's a lot of airspace restrictions, uh, permissioning scalability that all needs to be considered uh, in both sort of, well, across all airspace. Um, so I think it's just worth having that conversation uh, as an industry that we're not just talking about getting these airframes in the in the sky, but there's a bigger conversation actually about airspace management that needs to be had. So thank you for that. I hope that was useful. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Obviously, to anyone uh, listening to this podcast, it probably would have been... Uh, well, I hope it was informative but uh, you should really try to check us out on YouTube where you can uh, you can see the uh, all the images on the screen. So thank you for your time and uh, that was another on air with Altitude
1: Angel. Thanks in. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you very much.